Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest again, we welcome you. We want to encourage you to know about a good work that is taking place just down the road. Belinda Parkway Church of Christ, it's the new name of the congregation that used to be the Villages. Tyler Oldfield is working along with them to try to build up that congregation. And uh, they're down to just a few individuals and they meet on Sunday evenings at five o'clock and Wednesday evenings at six o'clock. And if you live in that area and you could go over from time to time and visit them, it would be a great encouragement to them. Uh, they need support, they need help, and uh, we want to encourage uh, that congregation in every way that we can uh, to help shine the light of Christianity throughout the entire area of Wilson County. And so just make a mental note of that, and if you live in that area, it might be a really good thing that you could do from time to time uh, to pass through there and encourage them. As we think about encouraging things, uh, you may know Audrey Ellert. Uh, she is the daughter of Kelly and Weldon. And, you know, sometime from children we can learn uh, a lot about the beauty of a generous and innocent heart. She is in Jill Moe's class at Good Pasture, the three and four-year-olds, and they are having a, a can drive to collect food. And so Weldon admits that one morning recently they forgot to put in her backpack the item that she would donate for the day. Each day they, the children pull out their item out of the backpack and they put it underneath the Christmas tree in, in their classroom at school. And then all of those are, are donated uh, to... to um, all over the area to help causes that help people that need food. As a matter of fact, uh, the school there many times has donated food to our pantry out of this particular drive, and it's helped us a lot in helping people in this area. Well, this particular morning, uh, without saying a word to anybody in the class, uh, she realized she had no food uh, to give. She had no item. And so without the teachers even realizing it, she got up and she went over to her cubby and uh, she got into her bag and then she went over to the tree and then in a little bit, the teachers noticed something under the tree. And uh, she had given her lunch. Uh, Reminds you a lot about the story of, of the little boy that, that gave the lunch to, to feed um, thousands or it reminds you of the, the widow lady who, who gave all that she had and, and I'm not suggesting that's all that she had, but that was a big part of her lunch that day. And... Uh, I want to encourage you to, to be looking for individuals, be looking for opportunities, and, and maybe they're not expensive, maybe it's more of your time, maybe it's more of your thoughtfulness, uh, maybe it is money, uh, but I, I just want to encourage you uh, to always be aware of, of uh, a generous spirit and a generous heart. Uh, our Lord, when he came to this earth, he couldn't go throughout a day without seeing others, seeing what they needed, and seeing how he can meet their needs. What a beautiful characteristic of Christianity. One of the needs that we all have is we have the need to learn how to deal with grief. Uh, we have the need to learn how to help others deal with grief. Uh, I talk about a topic tonight that, that uh, is difficult. It, it's one of the hardest things that we ever go through. 
And it's difficult because there's no clean answers. There's no clean, crisp answers where you get done with the topic and you say, wow, that's exactly how it is. Because in one sense, our grief is as individual as each individual. And also, our grief is as individual as each loss in our lives. Oftentimes, we don't even grieve multiple losses ourselves in the exact same way. And so as we think about this, I think about the, the book that Kalmus wrote entitled uh, The Stranger. And what was interesting in this book, it's kind of a dark book, but what was interesting in this book is the opening lines of the book describe a man who is emotionally, uh, relationally disconnected. And his mother dies. And, and just within a few paragraphs of the book, he's describing uh, his mother's death and, and the first name of the main character is never mentioned. And, and it says something to this effect. Mom died today, or was it yesterday? Oh, I don't know, I can't remember. Later on in this book, he commits a murder, or at least he's on trial for committing murder, not of his mother, but of someone else. And it is in that setting of trial that one of the attorneys brings up the fact that when your mother passed away, you showed no remorse and no grief. And it was out of that that it stunned the jurors that you could, leave, you could lose a parent and not show any grief. And as the story, the plot goes, that was one of the main factors that turned the jury against him. And so out of that, there's become a lot of discussion about when you grieve in a healthy way. Is it because you, have, you are capable of having healthy relationships? And because you're capable of having healthy relationships, you're also capable of grieving in a healthy way. Or is it that when you learn to grieve in a healthy way, in the future, it also helps you how to have healthy relationships in the future? You see, the fact is, a lot of the time, we don't like grief. And so we tend to not think about it. And therefore, we don't think about how it impacts our life and how it even impacts future relationships or even present relationships. And so tonight, I, I ask you to go into this study with patience with me. I'm not an expert in this topic, and I can't tell you how to deal with all the pain that you have, but we know that we have a God. We know that we have a God who understands grief. Think about 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, and in verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. He really shows, in a, way, in a sense, three individuals here. He, he shows an identity of God, that God is capable of helping you through any misfortune or trial or loss that you could go through. By faith, you and I need to believe that. And so then, as we are helped, he tells us that also he helps us so that as we see others who are grieving, that from what we have learned that God has done for us, we in turn 
can turn and help someone else that is grieving also. In a sense, it's almost like a cycle of, of support. God helps us so in turn we can help other people. But yet oftentimes when you talk with people that are grieving, they'll say that when people have reached out and tried to help me, they did more hurt and more harm than they did help. And so it's worth for us to try to think about what is it that we could do to help those that are grieving that's helpful and, and not let it backfire and be harmful. The first thing I'd like for you to see tonight is that maybe as we talk about this topic, you just think to yourself, well, I don't want to have to deal with it. Well, the problem is we don't get a choice with that. We can't avoid grief. The great 23rd Psalm is read in more passages in times of hurt than any other passage in the Bible or outside the Bible. This is the go-to passage. In other words, there's something in this passage that connects with the heart of the hurting. And, and you probably know the 23rd Psalm pretty well. But I want you to notice in the middle of it when he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Amen. Now think about that very fact where he does offer his presence, which is a great comfort. But he also identifies a fact. What's the fact? you will go through the valley of the shadow of death. In other words, when we see a loss in our life, emotionally, we don't have the option. Oh, that's a great loss in my life. I don't want to feel the pain. I'm going to choose to ignore it and not grieve. So instead of going through the valley, I'm going to turn and I'm going to run from the valley. Instead of going through the valley, I'm going to go over it. I'm going to go around it. I'm going to go under it. I just don't want to go through it. You don't have the choice. You can try to run from it. I think about a lady, this is back several years ago. She came in the office and she looked like a person who had had tremendous loss. I, I'm, I'm not being critical of her. I'm talking devastated, horrible looking emotionally. And so as she tried to gather herself and she would have to stop and just weep heavily for a while and she talked for a little bit and, and here's what she ended up telling me over seven, several minutes time. She told me about her 16 year old daughter dying in a car accident. And then she told me about eight months later, her husband who was otherwise healthy, having a massive heart attack and dying. And she had no other children. And so she's left alone. And then as she talks, I realize that she's saying some things that doesn't register with me in the way she's telling the story. And so I kind of interrupt her and I say, I don't, I'm, I'm not following you at this point. Like, what, what, are you, what are you talking about in this? And then she went back and clarified. You see, here's the part that, that fit between or after that. She went to her boss and she told her boss that since she had no one in her life right now and she didn't want to face the, the hurt that she was feeling, she'd like to work all the hours he could possibly give her. So she began working 12 and 14 hour days, six and seven days a week because she didn't want to go through the valley. And as she sat in my office, distraught so much that you would have thought her husband died today. Her husband died five years ago. 
And this was just the first time she decided, I'm going to have to deal with this. I can't continue to run from my loss. There are individuals that take long time vacations thinking that I can escape. There are individuals that try to play mind games with themselves, thinking I don't have to go through this. The reality is grief is something, and we'll see this again in just a moment from another quote, but grief is a healthy response to loss. Here's what Jay Archer says. The capacity to grieve is a human universal appearing in all known cultures. Let that sink in. Not just modern times. We don't know of any time, ancient or modern or in between, where individuals did not grieve. It doesn't matter if you live in a, a remote tribe in Africa or in the penthouses in Manhattan. You're going to grieve. It doesn't matter if you have a PhD or you dropped out of middle school. You're going to grieve. It doesn't matter if you're the most physically fit person on this earth or if you're very, very weak, you're going to grieve. It doesn't matter how emotionally strong you are or how ever emotionally weak you are. You are going to grieve. We all will pass through the valley of the shadow of death. I like to kind of think about it this way as we try to challenge ourselves. I think that this is a little bit of our American culture. We like to make things clean, comfortable, civilized, and even comical. And when something comes into our life that's not so clean and it's not so comfortable and it's not so civilized as Americans, I'm not saying you specifically, but if I could just be stereotypical and I don't mind you challenging me on this, I'm just giving you my opinion on this. My opinion is, as Americans, if, if, if it's not gonna look nice and clean and civilized, our idea, our idea is no. I, I don't want anything to do with it. Have you read in Holy Scripture about the mourning and the grief in Scripture? What about in Scriptures where individuals in their grief ripped their clothes, pulled their hair out, laid flat on the ground and wept for days? did not eat for many days. And different scriptures describe different periods of mourning where this heavy, intense mourning where really nothing else was going on in their life except these signs of mourning, sometimes seven days, sometimes 20 days, sometimes 40 days. What would you and I say to someone that was grieving like that today? Oh, they're, they're, there's something terribly wrong. We, we've got to get them some serious help. Why? Understand that you can have bereavement disorders. There's no doubt that, that people can grieve in ways that are unhealthy. But I just want to challenge you this evening at the start of this for you to realize that oftentimes what we think in our American mindset, that grief needs to look like a two-day visitation, a one-day burial, and the next day, get things back in order and the next day go to work and everything's done. We're not being realistic. 
we're not understanding what grief is about. Now, if you've had a significant loss in your life, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're not, I'm trying to help educate us to think about how to help individuals because the need for help goes far, far longer than our traditional process of a burial. And so let's think for just a moment, what is this grief? WebMD has a pretty simple and informative definition. Grief and grieving are the natural response to a major loss such as death of a loved one. Loss can cause feelings of grief, sometimes when you least expect it. You may find that old feelings of grief from the past loss can be triggered by current experiences or anniversaries of that loss. This is normal. Grief is the experience that we feel and that we live as a result of something that is lost that had some kind of significance in our life. And as it points out here, that oftentimes one particular loss may trigger, we are emotional people and our emotions are not nicely pigeonholed into situations or to decades. And that's why sometimes we may experience one loss, but this particular loss stirs our emotions that we felt even at another loss. And so when you think someone's overreacting, it may not be that they're overreacting at all. It may be, hypothetical here, someone loses a pet. That's going to bring some measure of grief depending on how much they love their pet. But then you may think, well, they're just really overreacting. Well, maybe what you don't know is that that pet belonged to their fill-in-the-blank that died three years ago. And so now they're not just grieving the loss of this pet, they're grieving that loss in connection also with another loss. In other words, loss or grief has history. Grief has memory. Ron and Don Williams are, are uh, preachers in the Lord's Church, and they've done a lot of research on grief, and uh, they've written a book, Walking with Those Who Weep, and this is how they describe this. Grief is a natural and healthy consequence that should occur when a loss has happened in a person's life. Now notice, I think this is an excellent statement, but notice how it challenges our American culture. A culture that wants to run from grief, and yet if this is true, that grief is natural and healthy, in other words, what we ought to be concerned about, it's kind of like the opening story. What if somebody has a significant loss in their life and they don't grieve? You better sleep with one eye open when you're around them. You know, it's like, what, what's wrong? There's, there's something messed up in their life when they can have someone close to them and lose them and not feel anything. And so let's think about for just a moment, what does cause grief? Oftentimes we immediately think of, of death because that is probably the leading cause of the deepest grief. But yet when we look down this list, and I, I'm not going to read all of this to you, and I really don't even know if you can read it from where you are, but anything of great value in our life, great significance, when it is lost is going to create grief. Divorce is a very high contributor to deep grief. The loss of a career that you really loved 
Now, state the obvious. If you don't care anything for your job and you lose your job, you're not going to have much grief. But if you've had that, that particular career for 30 or 40 years and you found a big part of your, your essence and, and your identity in that, and I'm not saying all that's healthy, but if you have, and, and that's kind of how you see yourself, and then you, you retire or you've given a pink slip, there's going to be some real grief because that, that is lost. Sometime uh, students that graduate from either high school or college when they have really loved that experience and now they're going through that transition, to some degree, they even experience some level of grief because it's a transition that there's a lot behind that they miss, whether it's friendships or the experiences or whatever it may be. Even something like selling uh, the family place. You know, we, we have all heard stories about a family that at some point because of certain situations, it's time to sell the home. Maybe it's the home that, that the family owned for decades. And again, why are we talking about this? It's to understand grief so that we can better understand each other so that we can help each other. God expects us to come up along beside someone, which is one of the best definitions of comfort, is to come up beside someone. God expects us to be able to do that. Well, if we can't understand grief, it's going to be difficult for us to understand why we should do that or even how to do that. So let's think about trying to understand grief for just a moment. Job would talk about grief in Job, the sixth chapter in verse two, oh, that my grief were fully weighed and my calamity laid with it on the scales. For then it would be heavier than the sand of the sea. Picture that. The old scales, you have a pan here and a pan here. And you probably know the story of Job. It's one of the greatest stories uh, of grief that's ever been recorded to help us to get some kind of glimpse of, of, of deep, deep grief and how God interacted through that. But he says, over here on this scale, put my grief. And then he says, over here on this pan, put all of the sand in the world. And he says, what you're going to find out is my grief will hold down the side, lifting up all of the sand. Job, what are you trying to say? Job is trying to say, this is the hardest thing I've ever gone through. This makes me miserable. If there's ever any of our friends that need support, it will be at the time that they are grieving because they will be able to say, I have never gone through a time in life that was this hard. When we picture a valley, the only way you can have a deep valley is you have to have some high mountaintops. If you don't have the high points, you can't have a valley. And so when you think about what creates the deepest valleys of grief, whatever we love the most, whenever it is lost, 
the highest points of love will naturally, when they are lost, create the deepest valleys for which we must deal with. Also, what I need to understand about grief is that grief is encompassing. Again, back to Don Williams. He said, grief affects a person with their whole being, emotionally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. Again, we don't get to compartmentalize it. In other words, all of our being is going to suffer throughout grief. Also, as I understand grief, I need to understand that it becomes a marker. I read this in preparing. There are moments which mark your life. Moments when you realize nothing will ever be the same. You know, like our present day calendar. One of the great markers in our present day calendar is Christ's birth. Everything before Christ's birth, B.C. Everything after Christ's birth, it's A.D. It's, it's a marker. And any of you that have had significant loss, you know exactly what this person is talking about. It becomes the marker where you think about that was before or that was after. That was before the accident. That, that was after the accident. That was while I still had my job. A great level of grief comes from the loss of health. Yeah, that, that was back before I was diagnosed. And you see, what we sometimes in our ignorance, we don't realize that the one that is suffering with a sickness is literally grieving in a very similar way that someone else that has had a death in their family, they're grieving. This one is grieving the loss of their health. I remember what it used to be. And this one is rem remembering perhaps a family member. But let's finish this. We haven't finished this quote here. And time is divided into two parts. Before this and after this. Amanda Patterson gives a sketch and, and that's probably too small for you to read there. But it's the idea that there are several steps, stages, but all of these terms fall short as we describe grief because none of them are clean. If we were to say there were steps in grief, you'd expect to be step one, and when you complete step one, you go to step two, and when you complete it, you go to step three, and when you complete it, you go to step four, but that's not the way it is. With grief, you may go through a few of these things and then come right back around tomorrow and be back at the beginning again. And then you may go further down the line and, and stay there for a few weeks and then come right back up here to the top again. And oftentimes, for those that are grieving, the most common statement that I hear is these lines. And they don't mean it as an expression. A lot of us say this as an expression. They don't mean it as an expression. They say, I think I'm going crazy. Because the emotional cycles are so inconsistent. It's such a whirlwind that it leaves us feeling like there must be something really 
really wrong with me. What I'd suggest to all of us, what it is, is this very, very difficult journey of grief. So instead of this little clean outline here, I like to sometimes sketch it out and say, just imagine a clean piece of paper here. We draw our line and we say, I'm living life. And one day it happens, whatever the it is, the phone call that comes in, that once we take that phone call, our life will never be the same. Once that knock comes on our door, it'll never be the same. Once that day happened, it'll never be the same. Once that doctor said that, it'll never be, what, whatever it is, once it happens, it, it has happened. It's the loss. And emotionally, we can't help but to experience a great downturn. That's the grief. That's where we're back at the beginning when we said you can't avoid it. We're going to go through those times. We can't avoid it. And so as we start down those times, we're going to feel many, many different reactions. And one of the first things that we're going to do, if it is a severe loss, is we're going to feel shock. And as we feel shock, I believe that it is the way that God has made us so that it protects our system. I believe that at the time of some of our losses, if we could take in full what it really has done in our life, I don't believe we could handle it. And I believe shock and numbness is the way God helps us slowly begin to accept and make transitions and deal with this big, significant loss in our life. I promise you I'm being completely hypothetical here, so I'm, I don't mean any disrespect to any caregivers or any grievers when I say this, but I, I just think this is very important for us to understand. What does this mean when we talk about shock and numbness? Let's, let's just make up a, an illustration here. Uh, a mom of two little children gets a phone call that her husband has died in a car wreck on the way to work. And so that afternoon, she's sitting in a, in a funeral home and she's planning a funeral. That's, that's how her day's gone. She started out getting the kids up. She's ending going to a funeral home. What do you think she's feeling? Why do you think that funeral directors walk the individual through every step? You think she's thinking very clearly? She's in shock. And she's numb. And she has just become a robot. Oh, you want me to go to the house and get these things, okay? Oh, you want me to be back at this time, okay? You think I need to do this, okay? And then you go to the funeral home. And you visit her. And you stand in the line. And you give her a hug. Maybe, I'm not suggesting, I'm just saying typical. Maybe you say, hey, how are you doing? In her numbness, she says, I I'm doing okay. And you go on your way and you see some of your friends later on that evening. And they say, hey, how's so-and-so doing? And in your ignorance, you say, you know, I think she's doing pretty good. Right now, she's numb. 
And give it a few more days and a few more weeks. And the reality starts to settle in. Six months down the road, eight months down the road, a year down the road, 18 months down the road. It's not uncommon at all if you know her well enough and she decides to be completely honest with you to be able to say, this week has been the hardest week I've ever had. And it's a year after. I don't offer that to you to bring up painful memories for any that have had losses. I offer that to you so that you and I are aware that number one, when it happens to us, we're not crazy, but we have a God who's the God of all comfort who will walk with us through that time no matter how long that time is. And we can do a much better job supporting each other when we realize that the support that is needed is not measured in days and weeks, but it's measured much more in months and in years. There's going to be the denial. There's going to be the emotional outburst, the anger, the fear, the searching. There's going to be disorganization. There's going to be forgetfulness. There's going to be panic. There's going to be depression. People that, that, that are in deep grief, they get a notice that their, their power bill is going to be turned off. They say, I don't, I don't know what's happened. I, I never used to be late on my bills. I, I don't know why that's happened. It just seems like I'm losing everything. I'm going crazy. No, no, you're not going crazy. You're going through grief. Grief will cause you to forget everything you wouldn't have otherwise forgotten. It'll cause you to be disorganized in things that you would have never been disorganized with. And at the bottom of that, and notice, at the bottom, and that's the good news, bad news. The good news is this going down and down and down. One day we'll have the bottom. In other words, it's not going to get any worse than that. That's the good news. There's a lot of loneliness down there. There will be at least to some degree situational depression. There oftentimes will be some guilt. What could I have done different? Surely, surely there's something I could have done different that this wouldn't have happened. And there's all kind of questions and all kind of emotions like that. But then there's the good news that it's not that things get better because they go back to the way it was. If we want to really understand grief, I know we're stating the obvious, but that's very important for us to remember. Things are not better because they go back to the way they were. They're better because we've accepted and learned how to have a meaningful, productive, spiritual life with that loss in our life. And that's when sometime is called identifying the new norm. It's not easy to do. We sometimes want the old way. You know, that marker before loss. It takes time to accept that's not an option. So now that I've learned, I've accepted that since my accident, my old level of health, measure of health is not going to exist. How can I accept the new norm? Since I know now that the divorce is real, 
how can I accept the new norm? Since I know that my spouse, my child, my parents, my best friend has, has deceased, how can I accept this new norm? And nothing about accepting the new norm dishonors the precious memories and the love and et cetera that was had before. I'd like for you to notice, we're, we're just going to illustrate here in, in this, and I know this is a, is a rough sketch here, and, and, but I want you to notice this. When we're on the spiral down, everything in our thinking is consumed with the past, the way it used to be. We get up in the morning and then it dawns on us, oh, that wasn't a dream. I wish it was still that way. When we start accepting, and it takes time. I'm not saying this to say anybody here ought to be rushing it. This isn't a, hey, I want to put guilt on you. But I'm just saying, when you, how do you know that you're swinging on the upside now? You know it whenever you realize, you know what? I'm going throughout the days, and I'm placing a lot more emphasis on today. I'm actually starting to plan the future. And so now you know that all of your thoughts are not consumed with the past, but now you truly have started reinvesting in today and in the future. And so I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you as you understand your grief to find some kind of appreciation for grief. There's a lot that, let, let me just close with this one. And, and this goes far beyond grief, but this is a reminder, I, I think, that we all need. I know I need. And, and maybe it'll, it'll bless you too. It is true that A plus B equals C in this equation, but many of us, and perhaps all of us at times, want to believe that A equals C. So you say, okay, what are we talking about? Well, A is, is an experience in our life, and let's just say for this particular analogy, it's a loss. And so there's this loss in my life. And so the easy thing to do is to start walking around saying, that's who I am. I'm that loss. I, I'm the guy that got the pink slip after 30 years. That's, that's my life. And that's why I'm in the dumps. And that's why I can't ever be better because I can't ever go back to this. I am this loss. And Satan loves to tell us that. He loves to lie to us and, and try to convince us that that's us. That's who we are. But notice, A equals C is not true. A plus B equals C. And B is your reaction and your response to the loss. The loss you experience and your response to that loss is what will create your life. It's not just a cute little phrase. You can go through a loss and you can become the most bitter person on earth if that's what you want your response to be. Or you can actually go through your loss and you can actually become a better person because sometimes we do our greatest growth in difficult trials. God is a God of all comfort. He can take whatever pain you're dealing with. And if you're determined to stay with him, 
and to grow spiritually. He can walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death and he can help you find a deep and a meaningful life recognizing and even honoring the loss that you've had in your life. I wish that I was a better person to the grieving. I hope that all of us will leave here tonight with a heart that truly cares for each other. This is a difficult time of the year for people that have had significant losses. I want to encourage you to be prayerful. I want to encourage you to think about who you can write a note to. I want to encourage you to think about what you can do. I want to encourage you to remember that the people that you love that are grieving are probably going through the hardest thing they've ever done. And now might be a good time to reach out, not to think you can make it better. That's when we mess up trying to help. Just reach out to let them know, I just want to come up along beside you. I know you're hurting. I don't want to tell you stop hurting. I don't want to tell you to stop grieving. I just want to let you know that while you're grieving, I love you. I just want to walk with you as you grieve. Remember that little story? The little four-year-old, he disappeared for a little while. He, his mom got worried, of course, and then she noticed him coming back from the neighbor's house. She said, where have you been? 95-year-old man lived next door. His wife had died earlier that year. And the little boy answered and said, I went over to help Mr. Sam. He said, what, what do you mean you went over to help him? So well, I, I know that, that he was really sad. And the mother now is getting really worried, like, what did he do? She said, well, what, what did you do to help him if he's really sad? Little boy said, I just climbed up in his lap and I helped him cry. I wish as adults we could realize that's what comfort is. It's not telling somebody that's experienced the greatest loss in their life I want you to stop feeling that pain that you're feeling. You know what a griever would, would like to hear? They would like to hear you honor and recognize the pain that they're feeling. The next time you're about to tell someone, stop crying, zip it. And instead, weep with them that's the biblical answer tonight can we pray with you if you're hurting and want to come forward we'd love to pray with you tonight if you want to respond to the Lord's invitation and become his child we'd love to see you immersed into Christ 
Tonight, if you need to be restored, we'd, we'd be honored to pray on your behalf. Let's walk together with the Lord. Help us.